grace and your mercy in our lives. We thank you for your kindness to us. Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name. We come tonight. We come to the throne of grace in our praying. We thank you for our brothers and sisters who've led us to the throne of grace to worship and to sing praise to your name. The eternal praise of the Son of God, worthy is your name. And so tonight, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity we have to be together on Wednesday night. We pray that you would bless our time in your word and that you'd give us wisdom to understand what you have to say to us. We pray for those who are joining us online who cannot be with us. We pray your blessing upon them and that you would encourage them tonight. And we pray for others who've said goodbye to loved ones at the graveyard today and others who've done the same recently in days and others who are sick and others who are rejoicing, having wonderful days, blessings. We thank you for all. And we weep with those who weep in our church and we rejoice with those who rejoice. That's what we do together. We thank you most of all for salvation in Jesus Christ. And we pray that tonight, as we look at the Word of God, that the the Word of God would find a place in our minds. And that as a result of the Word of God being read and understood, that we would live differently tonight. We'd leave here different people. So thank you, Lord, for this evening. And thank you for the fellowship we have around your Word In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, good evening. Good to see all of you. If you have your Bibles, find your place again in Matthew 5. If you're new with us on Wednesday night, uh, we have uh, some outlines of what I'll be going over. There's some here at the front, some at the back. I hope you'll find one. It'll help you because I'm not able to have you turn to all of these uh, verses or take the time to let us all turn to these verses or we'd be here for quite a while. We continue to look in uh, this uh, very important section, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 are some of the primary teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ to Christians. So these these, uh, very important principles that the Lord Jesus lays out here are for every one of us who are Christians here tonight to know and understand and live by. Uh, These are the words that the Lord has given to us. In fact, He ends these words... Um, just as you are finding your place in Matthew 5, in verse number, in chapter 7, verse number 26, everyone who hears these words of mine and, and, and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on, on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against the house and it fell and great was the fall. But prior to that, in verse 24, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them. I hope that'll be all of us tonight. <clears throat> Every one of us who hears God's Word and acts on it. That is, we live it out. We, we do it. We do God's Word. <clears throat> acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and slammed against that house, and yet it did not fall. For it had been founded on the rock. I hope that will be true in your life. When the rains come, and they will. When the storms rage around you, and they will. How I pray that you have built your house, your life, on the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you are living by them and practicing them. So tonight we continue on in thinking about the blessings 
of being a Christian and the character of the Christian life. And so we go back now to chapter 5. These are sometimes called the Beatitudes. These are actually the, the essential qualities of a Christian. So if someone says to you, so what does it mean or what does it look like for me to be a Christian? What does it, what does it look like for me to be born again? Well, these would be the words that we would start with. So tonight for all of us who are here, this is a way for you to measure your own, in your own life, are you saved or are you born again? And we'll be reading on now tonight, we'll move on into chapter, uh, chapter 5, verse 13, through verse number 16, because tonight I want to talk about the blessing of the Christian in the world. The blessing of the Christian in the world. This is such an important topic in the day in which we live. First, let's read this passage, and then I want to read one additional parallel uh, place with you in your Bible. Let's read these words tonight. When Jesus saw the crowds, He went up on the mountain, and after He had sat down, His disciples came to Him. He opened His mouth and began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And now the Lord continues, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So our focal truth tonight is this, that the Christian is a blessing to the world. The Christian is a blessing to the world. Now, I'm not talking about the Christian church as, a, as in a general term, plural term. The church is made up of God's people individually. So I'm talking about every Christian in this room and those who are believers in Jesus Christ globally all around the world. Every individual Christian is a blessing, is a blessing to the world. I want you to think about that. And so the Lord uses some interesting words here. He says, you are the salt of the earth, which is synonymous with verse 14. You are the light of the world. And so then he says in verse number 16, let your light shine before people, before men. I want you to think about your place in the world, and I want you to know that the Bible has a lot to say about our role in the world, our place in the world. I'll say more about that in a moment, but I want you to read something 
with me tonight to encourage you by what the Lord Jesus said about us. Uh, and I want you to keep your finger in Matthew 5. And now we read these words from the prayer of the Lord Jesus, John 17. Uh, Mr. Metcalf, is that you up there? Can you bring this up a little bit, just the volume on me? Thank you. Matthew 17, beginning in verse number 13. Let's read these words together. And let's see what the Lord has, has asked the Heavenly Father to do. Before He left the earth, He prayed for all of us who are Christians here tonight. John 17, beginning in verse 13. John 17, 13. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them, that is, make them holy, that is, set them apart in the, in true, in the truth. And your word is truth. And then verse 18, as you have sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. Now this is for us especially tonight. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those who believe in me through their word. That's us. That they all may be one, even as you, Father, and uh, and are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us. Please notice, so that the world may believe that you sent me. Just take your eye now again to these words. Verse 13. I speak these words in the world. The Lord Jesus was speaking the words, the Word of God, the truth of God, in a world of darkness, in a world filled with lies, in a world filled with people who rebelled and hate God. The same is true today. We have the Word of God in a world where people do not respond to the Word of God. Verse 14, I have given them your Word in the world, he's saying, and the world hates them. Because they're not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. So it is the nature as we've seen in these, uh, in these qualities of the Christian life for us to be unique from the world. We'll see more of that tonight. 15, I do not ask you to take them out of the world. Here we are tonight, we're in the world. Uh, as followers of Jesus, those of you who have young children, you're here as Christian parents with your boys and girls, your grandchildren, they're in the world in the world filled with tribulation, in the world filled with hatefulness and ungodliness and wickedness. That's the world. He says, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, 15, but to keep them from the evil one. For us to be in the world and to be protected from the evil one. We'll talk more about this on Sunday morning because John the Apostle makes some comments off of this prayer and I believe that it's very important for us. We are not of the world, even as the Lord Jesus is not of the world. Now you're different. Now I'm different. You don't quite fit in like you used to. You used to go to the things in the world and you, they felt comfortable to you. Now if you find yourself going to some of those things in the world or looking at things or hearing things on, 
all of our electronic means and all the rest, or uh, however it may come across to you, if you're at work or you're in some setting, it doesn't quite feel like it used to feel. It shouldn't, because if you're saved, you're no longer a part of the world. You're out of the world. So we're sanctified by the truth of God and set apart. God's Word sets us apart, my dear friends. That's why the Word of God is so important in our lives. It maintains and helps us keep our holiness in, a, in the world. And now verse 18 is critical because we've been sent into the world. And so many of us have found our place here in Dixon and we're from somewhere else. So just as I came here many years ago, the Lord sent me here. I believe I'm to be here. You're here. Here we are. Now we join together as God's people in this place coming from all places. And we've been sent into Dixon County. We've been sent into the surrounding counties in Middle Tennessee as well as the state of Tennessee in America and the world. We've been sent out. So with that in mind, now we come back to our outline. And I want you to see how, first of all, let me just describe what I believe uh, verses 13 through 16 are saying about us as we are a blessing in the world. So why did the Lord leave us in the world? Listen now. To be a blessing. We're a blessing. We're not a curse. We're a blessing. And throughout church history, throughout the history of mankind, since the church came at Pentecost, God's people have been a blessing to the world. And I wish I had time to do the historical description of all of that. I'll try to perhaps make some comments about some illustrations, but mainly let's hear the words of the Lord here. So here are the four elements of our outline tonight. Number one, those who have been blessed by God are the saved of God. And I'm going to comment on that for a moment. First observation. Second observation, those who are the blessed of God individually bless the world. And I could have said it, those who are the blessed of God individually bless individuals in the world. Third observation is those blessed by God bless the world in the way they live in the world. Uh, the fourth uh, observation is that the command of Christ to the Christian is bless the world. So this is what we'll look at. And these uh, observations come pr primarily as a collection from uh, chapter 5, verse 1, all the way down through verse 16. So we come back to this first of all, my dear friends, those who have been blessed by God are the saved of God. So look at this wonderful, wonderful, sweet blessing we have here. We see the Lord Jesus giving a promise, a blessing <clears throat> to every <clears throat> characteristic of the Christian life. Do you see it here? Let's go through them. First of all, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Remember, we've talked week after week about this. To, for me to be poor in spirit is for me to know that I am a sinner. I am poor in spirit. I know I am a sinner. So what happens to the poor in spirit? Well, when we know we're a sinner, we look for a Savior and we believe in the Lord Jesus and we come to be saved and we go to heaven. As I said to you at the beginning, and I repeat it, happily repeat it, those who are poor in spirit go to heaven. You'd think, well, the rich in spirit will go to... No, the poor in spirit. Those who are poor in spirit. But quickly we come along and see that God blesses the spiritual mourner when we have spiritual mourning for our sin. That is, when we recognize the longer we walk with God, the more we see that there's still 
this old sin nature in us, with us. We're two people. We are the new person in Christ and we're the old person born into this world with our sinfulness and our uh, drivenness to passions and wickedness of all kinds. But the spiritual mourner is the one who grieves that and has godly sorrow for their sin. And guess what? God comes to comfort them. This is a work of the Holy Spirit in your life. When you have a true relationship with Jesus Christ, this is what happens. You sense the comfort of God as it comes to you. The Lord may send a person to say it to you. You may hear it in preaching. You may hear it in teaching. You may discover the comfort of God in the words of Scripture, but it is the Holy Spirit who is our comforter and He is in us and He is with us who are saved and He stays with us and He encourages us. He comforts us. When you are at your moment of greatest despair, listen now, when you are when you are spiritually mourning because you seem like you cannot walk with God the way you should, God comes by the Holy Spirit and says, trust me, trust in God, walk with God, listen to the Word of God. God blesses the gentle, they inherit the earth. We may not own the earth, but we are those who are the gentle ones. We are those who have been saved from our wicked, godless harshness and uh, um, brutality in many ways, abusiveness. And now He has calmed us. He has, he, has, he has given us gentleness like Jesus. I didn't say weakness. I said gentleness. And so God blesses the gentle and they inherit the earth. The gentle. God's people all over the world today are blessed. They are blessed as they live on the earth even in the midst of difficulties. God And I've, I went through all these in detail in previous uh, talks, so if you're interested in those, you can always go back and listen to them or look at the notes. God blesses those who desire righteousness. What is hunger and thirst? It's, it's the basics of our physical makeup, the way God made us. It demonstrates desire. We desire to eat. We desire to drink. It's the way our bodies are. It's the natural response of the human body. When you're saved... You have a, a, a supernatural desire for righteous things. You didn't, before you were saved, you didn't care about them, but now you do. You want to know more about God, and look what happens. You get satisfied, but you want to, you still hunger and thirst. It's the blessing of <clears throat> being filled, but being filled more. Being filled to overflowing and just keeping it coming. And the Lord keeps giving it and giving it to us as we desire righteousness. This is what the saved person does. The saved person desires to know more about God, more about God's Word, how to walk with God, how to live with God, how to pray, how to worship, how to serve God. It's, it's what we do. We desire righteousness. God blesses the merciful. We see the misery of the world, and because of our, we see it as a Christian, we see the misery. And you know what we say? We don't say what the world says. You know what the world says about misery? Oh, I can make money on that. It's what the world says. I can make money on that. Look at all those miserable people. What? We can make money on that. But the believer in Jesus Christ, man or woman, says, sees the misery and says, we must show mercy. Ministry in the church is based on seeing misery and because of our mercy, we do ministry. 
And God blesses the merciful. You know what He does? He gives to the mercy shower mercy. And we need it every day. Well, God blesses the pure in heart. So what happens? Oh, we have all these trials, don't we? The pressure and the fire and the trials and all the difficulties. What is it that the Lord is doing to us? He is, he is like um, gold in the fire. The dross, get all that old... All of those impurities are burned away and you have that precious gold. It is the same picture that is for all of us in this room. The pressures we feel, God allows them so that He might make us pure in heart. He's purifying us. And the pure in heart see God. The impure never see God. The pure see God. This is the blessing. We see God now. We see the unseen. Paul talked about seeing the unseen. Do you see the unseen of how God is working around the world tonight? He's working everywhere. He's, he's God is at work. Do you see the unseen work of God in your family? Do you see the unseen work of God in this church? Do you see the unseen work of God in your job and in the, the very uh, history going on in our country and around the globe and all the nations of the world, you must see that God is at work all around us. And we see God when we're pure in heart. And peacemakers are called sons of God. We, get it, we are called something by God. God calls us a son of God, because a child of God, because we are those who make peace, but we are persecuted. When we are righteously persecuted, now I'm not talking about when you and I deserve punishment, or deserve a bad treatment because of the way we've been living in wickedness. This is about righteousness. This is about living this way, living with, poor, with as a person of poor in spirit, a spiritual mourner, gentle. Those who desire righteousness, those who are merciful, those who are pure in heart, those who are peacemakers. And how, as I said last week, how in the world, how could it be that anyone would want to persecute somebody like this? On November the sixth, we'll pause. It's the day of the persecuted church around the world. We're going to pray on Sunday morning, that Sunday, uh, for them. It's millions upon millions of people who name the name of the Lord Jesus who tonight are under threat, real threat, real threat of persecution even to the point of death. As bad as it might seem in America, don't fool yourself. Don't fool yourself. It's not the same. Name calling and accusations are one thing. Taking your property and dragging you to jail and killing you because you name the name of Jesus is quite another thing. And so around the globe, blessed are you. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake they go to heaven because they're God's persecuted ones. They fill up the sufferings of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now look, those, if you are a Christian here tonight, you are a blessed one. This is what the Lord is trying to say here. If you are saved, you're a blessed one. How could you, how can I, if I'm a blessed one, complain to God that I'm not blessed? How can that be? And grumble and complain. 
Regardless of our circumstance, you see, this is the point of the Lord. He knew what was coming for the disciples. He warned them at the end of his ministry as he's warned us, in the world you will have tribulation. How can I ever say God bless me when he already has? You're already blessed. Live as a blessed one. Live as a blessed one. Whatever your circumstances, whatever you're going through, whatever your trials, if they're physical trials, if they're emotional and mental trials, you are saved, you are blessed. Live as a blessed one. Those who are blessed are the blessed of God individually, bless the world. So now we come to it. Notice now, this is in it. If we're reading this in the original language, in the Greek language, this is a, this is what we call an emphatic. This is something of, this is the emphasis here now. You is the emphasis. If we're reading this in the Greek text, it's very clear. This is the emphasis in the text. You are the salt of the earth. You. You are the light of the world. 16. Let your light shine. This is very emphatic, and so it is a message to every Christian who hears my voice tonight. You are the salt of the earth. You. Mike Miller, you are the salt of the earth. You're saved. You are one of these who's been blessed by God. Therefore, this is now he's, now he's drawing his first application. So what do we do with this as being a Christian? Well, the first thing is you're the salt of the earth. Secondly, you're the light of the world. So you begin to see this picture that every believer in Christ is a blessing to the world. Now, I've just given you some selected verses here. I, I like to give these to you when we're doing our Bible study, along with taking you through the, the, the text, because I want you to have the additional verses that in, in, in enhance this idea. So let me just look at some of them. Paul said in Philippians 1, 6 to Christians, and I'm talking to all the believers who are here tonight who hear my voice, and also those listening in, he who began a good work in you will complete it. You see, God started to, He saved you and He's going to work to finish that work in you until the time you go to heaven. And He began this good work in you and He completes it. That's what's going on in your life here in this world. What is God doing to you as a Christian? What is God doing to you? Well, Philippians 2.13, God is at work in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. God's working in the world. God's working His ways at all levels. And listen to this. He's working His ways in every individual believer on the planet at the same time, according to His own sovereign purposes that match exactly your personality and your spiritual gifts. This is, a, this is an amazing, phenomenal thought. I want you to meditate on this for a moment. God is at work in you. You say, oh, Pastor Mike, I don't know what, how's God at work in me? What, what can I do? Well, you're, you're poor in spirit. You're a spiritual mourner. You're gentle. You desire righteousness. You're merciful. You're pure in heart. You're a peacemaker. You experience various levels of persecution when you live for Jesus and God is at work in you. He's at work in you to will and work for His good pleasure. Look, here's the point. God is working in you what He wants to do in you. That's what, that's what we're learning here. Romans 8.11, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, okay, that means you're saved, the Holy Spirit's in you. 
He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body. That means He's going to bring your body back into use for God through the Spirit who dwells in you. The work we do for God, we do in our bodies. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Use your body for holy things. Never use your body for unholy things. This is what we did when we were lost in our sin. We we desecrated our body. Our body is the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. You treat your body as the... It is through your body that you do the work of God. He brings our bodies, our mortal bodies to life and all of a sudden we guard them. 1 Corinthians 6.19 Do you not know your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, you're not your own. Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. 1 Thessalonians 2.13, we constantly thank God. Paul's writing to this Thessalonian church. We constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of man, men, but for, for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. God's work works in me as I read it, as I hear it preached, as I hear it taught. This this gets in me. These words get in me. They get in me and they don't leave me. These words get in me and they cause growth. These words get in me and they guide me and protect me from things I shouldn't think about or say or do or go. The Word of God. This Word of God is what performs this beautiful... This is how we become a blessing to the world. Because look, God is individually working in every Christian's life at the same time. 1 John 4.4, we've been looking at 1 John for a long time. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is He who's in you than he who's in the world. So those who have been blessed by God are the saved of God. Number two, those who are blessed of God individually bless the world. Why? Because God continues to bless them. I'm, I'm, here's the point I'm trying to make, my dear friends. I'm equipped and I'm able to be a blessing to the world because God's working in me and shaping me into Christ's likeness and doing the same in you. Number three, those blessed by God, and I could have said who are, whom God is working in, bless the world in the way they live. The world needs people who are poor in spirit. The world needs to see people who have spiritual grief over their sinfulness. The world needs to see the gentle. Gentleness, remember, starts on the inside, but it is expressed on the outside. The world needs to see people who have a hunger righteous things, godly things, holy things, rather than a hunger for money, fame, power, uh, I can go on, greed, uh, sexual pleasures. Well, you can pick whatever you want. The world's filled with it. The world needs to see those who hunger for righteousness. Just the fact that you are some of the few who would come on a Wednesday night and bring a Bible and sit down like many others here on, our, in our, on, on the church campus in our Bible studies. We have a lot going on on Wednesday nights, not just in here. 
would say we're such a strange people. You take that much time to read a book? Yes. Because it's a special book. It's not like any other book. And what's in this book will change your heart and your life and your mind because it's alive. The book is alive. The words are living. They get in you. They shake you. They wake you up. They turn you around. They go to bed with you. They wake up with you. I'm about to get going here. I've got to slow down. I'm going to start to preach just to do Bible study. The Word of God, the Word of God is in you. When it's in you, it affects you. That's what you don't ever want to get over. People need to see people who hungry for this. They need to see merciful people who have no motivation but to show mercy. Pure mo- mercy. They need to see pure in heart people. That's, I didn't say perfect people. But they need to see people who have a purity about them. Have you ever? We're going to see this in a minute as, as it relates to being a blessing to the world and the way we live. We're, in fact, we're there. Here's an example. So uh, it happens to a lot of our people here. It happens to me uh, in certain places when I've been in certain places uh, where people know that you are a follower of Jesus. You didn't like put on a badge and say, I am a Christian. You didn't make a big fuss out of it. You're not making a big show out of it. But you, you live differently. Perhaps it's at work. And then you're with some guys, gals. Let, let's do the men's side. It's a little bit rougher, more coarse. And uh, we've got it in our church with a lot of our men. We talk about it sometimes. I've visited with them about it. It's happened to me. You get with them and they're cursing and they're swearing and they're talking about all kinds of godless things, but then they come to know you and they apologize for cussing in front of you. Well, why'd you stop cussing in front of me? That's what you guys do. Well, we didn't want to offend you. Okay. Okay. All of a sudden, the salt is there. Which leads me to a very important thing. Why would the Lord say you are the salt of the earth? Because the world is rotting away. The world is rotting away. Have you ever... When I was a little boy, I, and I've never gotten over it. You know, we were. I was in charge of watching my uncle's house and checking on it every day while they were on vacation and I don't know, I may have been 11 years old. Well, I got to doing some other things and I missed a couple of days. Went back over there and the electricity was off and all the meat, well, it was probably more than a few days, probably a whole week. All that meat was rotting. In that fr- now you can imagine what my father and my uncle had to say to me when I met with them. Rotted meat, rotting carcasses, dead things in the field. The world is rotting. The world is rotted. Sin rots and corrupts and defiles. And it's all around us. And you're the salt. 
We know these qualities. Some of you have heard these sermons multiple times, but let's apply it. I'm talking about you. You are, you are a solution to the putrefaction of the world. You. Because you are poor in spirit and spiritual mourner and gentle and you desire righteousness and your mercy. You are salt. You are different. You don't run the way they run. You don't care about that anymore. You turn off of that mess. You get away from it. You don't have it on your phone. You don't have it on your electronic devices. You don't pay attention to it on the television. You grow away from that putrefying, rotting, sinful godlessness of the world. And it starts when you first get saved. The person who comes to Christ is made a new creature in Christ and you are then a salty one. Salt implies distinctiveness and taste. You see, the world's all the same. Look, after you, you know, you know why sinners have to do more grotesque things when they sin? Because they get bored with sin the way they were doing it. You got to do something more incredible to make it exciting. Just regular old sin and corruption and godlessness after a while is just kind of boring. You got to do something outrageous. You got to outdo your sin. Here comes the Christian. And they look at us and think, why don't you do any of this? Why are you so different? And a lot of times that's where persecution comes from. Because they would say of us, as they do in our world today, well, you hate people. We don't hate anybody. But we do stand as the salt to preserve the truth of God in the world and we are not going to apologize for the truth of God's Word, and we are going to call sin, sin in our own lives and sin, sin in the lives of others. And throughout Christian history, this has been part of the legacy of persecution to the church. We stand for the truth given to us in the Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God. When that comes, there will be pressure. Why did the Lord say you're salt? Because the world is rotting away. And if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? The answer is it can't. Tasteless salt is of no value. But you're salt. You have great value in the world. Oh, Pastor Mike, well, I'm not, how can I? I don't have any kind of a job to impress people. Well, you go to the grocery store, don't you? You have friends and family, don't you? You go to work, don't you? Everybody here goes into the world. You're going to leave, drive off this parking lot, you're going to be out there. So when we go, we, we salt. Secondly, you are the light of the world. What does light imply? Darkness. It's dark out there, isn't it? Well, get ready, Bye. I mean, when will it be dark at 3.30? When does that happen? When does that happen? When's time change? Butch, we better find out because we're older. We better find out when it gets dark. Pretty soon. It's 
dark. Boy, you go out in the country, it's dark, isn't it? You can't sometimes see your hand. Where in the world am I? And all these dear people that we know who live all around us and on this globe are in darkness. They never get in the light. They never have any clarity. They never see anything. They are blinded. They are in the dark. They live in perpetual darkness. This is the lostness of the world. And you are the light of the world. Because the Lord Jesus, because you are poor in spirit, you spiritually mourn, you're gentle, you desire righteousness, you're merciful, you're pure in heart, you're a peacemaker. And when you're persecuted, you rejoice. And you're glad. And you take it. And you endure it. Because you're the light of the world. You see, the light exposes sin, doesn't it? Light exposes what's... The critters in the dark don't like the light. The critters of the dark don't like the light. And the Lord Jesus reminds us of that truth over and over. So Christians live in the world, but we're not of the world, as I said earlier, and I've given you some verses here on this. I've given them your word, and the world hated them because they're not of the world. Don't be conformed to the world, be transformed. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If you love, if you love the world, the love of the Father's not in you, and the world's passing away, and it's lust. But I want you tonight to think about this. How dark is the world? How dark is the world? We are, Paul says it this way in Ephesians. I didn't give you the verses. We are children of the light. We walk in the light, 1 John, as He is in the light. Look, if you're saved, you're in the light. You're a light bearer. The light comes out of you. The Lord says it here. Look, my brothers, a city set on a hill cannot be hid. You can't hide the light in you. You go into a dark setting in a a place where it's all darkness and wickedness. You know what they're saying? Turn the light off. Why do all these places where sin goes on, why do they like it so dark? Turn the light off. You go in there as a Christian, you're, you've got too much light. You can't hide light. You can't cover it up. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a lampstand. And it gives light to all are in the house. Our Lord is reminding us here of our obligation, duty, and responsibility, which He now comes to. Here's His command. It's a command. What did the Lord say now? If you hear these words of mine and act on them. All right, now we're down to it. This is for every believer who's listening to my voice tonight. Our Lord now gives us a command. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. It's the old story I've told you before about Benjamin Franklin, who was friends, fascinating story, who was friends with George Whitfield, the great evangelist preacher in America during the Great Awakening. And one day, Benjamin Franklin was grabbing his coat, running out the door, 
And one of his uh, business partners said to him, where, where are you going so fast? He said, I'm going to hear George Whitfield preach. And the man was shocked. And he said to Franklin, I didn't think you believed all of that. He said, I don't believe it, but he does. And I'm going to hear him. He glorified God as a pagan because he saw Jesus Christ in Whitfield. What do people say about you? What do they say about me? Oh, they may lie about us. They may belittle us. They may accuse us of things. I told you last week that, you know, the early, the Romans accused the Christians in our, when they were coming to the table of the Lord and having the Lord's Supper as they would, were killing innocent babies and they were eating their flesh. They were cannibals. This was the lie of the Romans about the Christians. Yes, we may be lied about. Yes, we may be ridiculed. But others see us and say, those people are of God. That Roman centurion who was as tough as nails, those were some of the toughest soldiers who ever, ever lived, stood there at the base of that cross when the Lord Jesus was dead. Surely this was a son of God. He didn't say that lightly. But the Lord Jesus let His light shine. This is why He had problems with the Pharisees. Fakes. Religious fakes. You know, re religious fakes can come to church. But religious fakes never have any light. Let your light shine. All of you, my dear friends. How do you? Oh, how do I do it, Pastor Mike? Be poor in spirit. Mourn over your sin. Be gentle. Hunger and thirst to be satisfied with righteousness and keep. And when you're filled with it, ask for more of it. Show mercy and be merciful. Be pure in heart. Make peace and rejoice when you're persecuted. The night is almost gone. The day is near, Romans 13, 12. Therefore, this is for us now. I'm saying it to this group of people in this church, like Paul said it to the Roman church. I'm saying it to you tonight. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness. Don't go back to the dark, my friends. Put to death your flesh. Get away from your secret sins. They'll corrupt you. Let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. You were formerly darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness. This is what we do. Be good to everybody. Not if they're good to you. Be good to everybody. Be righteous in the righteousness of Christ and live a right kind of life and be truthful and live in the truth. Expose yourself before God when you draw near before God like we learned in 1 John. When you come to pray, you come before God and you allow God to look at you. He already does and He searches you. 
Search me, O God, and know my heart, and see if there be any wicked way in me. Turn the light on me, Lord. You read the Word of God, and you know what happens. All of a sudden, you're reading your Bible, and you think, oh my, I'm, I'm guilty of this. I'm guilty of this. That's good. That's what, the, that's what the mirror of God's Word does. It exposes our sin. We expose ourselves to the light. We come into the light so that we might follow Jesus. We are sons of light and sons of day. If we walk, that's why you're not going to ever be comfortable around the sons of darkness. You already did that. And now we're done with it. Praise God. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, He Himself is in the light. We have fellowship with one another in the blood of Jesus. His Son cleanses us from all sin. Think of this. We're being cleansed from our sin and we're walking in fellowship with one another and we're in the light. And thank goodness, Brother Ricky turned on the lights in here. Thank you, Brother Ricky, turned on the lights. And the one who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause of stumbling in him. What a glorious thing to be a Christian and to be the blessing of the world through salt and light. To the praise of the glory of His grace, the Lord is near the door. And we pray, come Lord Jesus. So good to see all of you. I always treasure this time we have on Wednesday nights. And may the Lord bless you. I hope these words have been good for you tonight. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the Word of God. And we thank You for the Lord Jesus' words. No words like these. No words like these. They are the most glorious words. They are the words of our Lord for us. This teaches me how to live. The Lord said for me to follow Him. And He said for me to follow Him and do what He says. And now He's telling me what to do. And I'll gladly do it. I pray for every believer in this room, those listening tonight, away from here, that we would let our light shine the rest of this week, tonight, all the rest of our days, that men may see the light of God in us and glorify God. And many of them come out of their darkness into the light because they see the difference in us. Make us Your people. May these characteristics that You have given to us, Lord, be so real to us. May these be the things we treasure. May these be the things that we pursue deeply. And how we love You tonight. We pray that You would give us Your grace and mercy until we meet again, Lord willing, on Sunday. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.